about the Word of God and uh, how effective is the Word of God in our hearts. Do we just pick and choose what scriptures we like? Do we just obey some of them and the rest of them may seem like they're not for me? I had not got any amens, but I need some. Because we all are guilty of that sometimes in our hearts and our lives. And Jesus was very, very strong about the word. Now, you, you might, and I'm not putting anything down, but you might like a great move of God's spirit, and I do. I do. I like, to, I like for us to feel God's spirit. I like to see people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I like to see people get saved. I, like, I just like to see all the good things that God does. I like to see people healed, and I've seen people healed of cancer. But I'm going to tell you, it all falls back to one place, and that is the Word of God. Do you believe it? Do you don't believe it? Do you just believe part of it? Or do we believe all of it? Where do we let it lie in our hearts? How do we accept it when it's been preached? Mark 4, 1 and 9, Jesus gives this parable to them. He, uh, if you'd read before, it said he spoke many parables to them, uh, to, the, to the multitude, but this is the one they recorded. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathering him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and set it in the sea, and set in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and he said unto them in his doctrine, I never noticed that word, his doctrine. I think some of our problems is that we have our doctrine instead of his doctrine, something that we read somewhere or heard from somebody or whatever. But listen, he said, hark, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and divided up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, but because it had no depth of earth, and when the sun was up, it, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell on, among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. But others, but other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Bow your head with me. Father, we thank you today for all your mercy and your grace. We ask, Lord, that you let us speak what you would have us to speak. Let it touch the hearts of this people today. God, I know beyond a shadow of doubt there's places in all of our hearts that we can improve ourselves. And we just ask today through your word, God, that we'll accept it, let it fall in the right place of our hearts, and we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. This parable, I think, is one of the most important parables 
that Jesus spoke to us. A lot of parables, we just read over it and go on. And you might survive by reading over there was no fruit on the tree, and of course you got some, of course. But I'm telling you, when it comes to the Word of God, we need to take it with all sincerity of our heart and apply it to our heart. You know, little old things like love your neighbor, love your brother and sister in Christ. If any man's offended, let him go to that man and make it straight. Don't pout all the time about it. I think if I was to build another church, I'd have one seat over for powders. <laughs> God is a forgiving God. People will forgive. I don't know why I got on that, but nevertheless. I'm just saying there's scriptures that we just... When it affects us, we just let it kind of slide on by. Hello? This parable is not about the sower. I want you to understand that. It's not about the preacher or the teacher. It's all about the hearer. That includes me. And that includes you. This is not about the preacher. It's about the seed and where we allow that seed or the word of God to fall in our lives. I don't care how spiritual one may think he or she is. We are more spiritual we're no more spiritual other than what the Word of God is in our hearts. A lot of people think if they shout a little bit, they're all right. Hello. You said, preacher, you preaching and getting shouting? No. I'm preaching and getting shouting when you ain't living right. When you're not really doing what the Word of God tells you to do. Hello. You know, like husband, love your wife. No, that ain't what it said, does it? says, wife, obey your husband. That ain't what it says either, is it? God's got a system set up in the family. And we wonder why the families are going away today. Why they're going in different directions. My wife is to obey me, whether she likes it or whether she don't. Hello? She's in the nursery, but if she's sitting right there, I'd see it. Because I got the hardest part. I have to love her. That's what the Bible says. Husband, love your wives. Wives, obey your Husband and the Lord, and I don't mean he can tell you to go out and sin and do things like that. But God has a system, and he's put it in his word. And that's why so many people are going astray today. They're not following the word of God. Can you say amen to that? God used this word seed to represent the word. 
The seed is used symbolic throughout the Bible to demonstrate life, the reproduction of life. We find this from Genesis to Revelation. When God began to create and replenish the earth on the third day, he created the seed of all plants and commanded that each should bear their own likeness. Now, that's why you don't see a bear with wings. Hello? Because that seed does a certain thing. And you can't make it go beyond what it's for. And that's the same way it is with the Word of God. Christians live right. God didn't get you saved to give you permission to sin. He didn't have to do that because I sent him before I got saved. He saves us to get us out of sin, to get us ready for the coming of the Lord. Wouldn't it be a shame that all these little things that we think so small, we discount them, and then when the rapture takes place, we're standing here or sitting here, and we begin to wonder, and the Holy Spirit says, well, you didn't do my word. You didn't keep my word. Hello? I didn't know what all I was going to say. I've been really worried about this. But I feel pretty good right now. I hope you do. Genesis 1, 19 through 14. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and he and the gathering together of the water he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding after yielding fruit after his kind, so whose seed is in it upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day so we see the word of God uses the word seed when he's talking about developing and growing and so naturally it would be natural that he would give us the word of God he would give us the seed Genesis 7 3 says of fowls also of the air by sevens and male and female uh, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. To Abraham, he said in Genesis 13, 15, and 16, for all the land which thou seest, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed forever. What is seed? What seed? The seed, his seed. Let me tell you something. That's a promise God made, and there's a promise will be fulfilled, in my opinion, in less than 100 years, maybe less than 15 to 20 years. 1948, Israel had been scattered. In 1948, God made it a nation again, a great sign. A few weeks back, God made Jerusalem the capital again. We need to see these things. We need to understand these things. That it's drawing close. It's his word and, and his word is true. 
And that's why we need to obey the smallest amount. Those things we don't think affect us at all, they may affect us the greatest. The symbol of the seed is life. The life of plants, the life of animals, the life of men springs from the seed. Paul used his seed to prove the resurrection of the dead. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 35 and 38. But some men say, how are the dead raised up? And by what body do they come? Thy fool, that which thy sowest is not quickened or made alive, except it die. And that which thy sowest, thy sowest not that body that shall be, but... <clears throat> But bare grain, it may, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to ever seed his own body. Now what he's saying, we're going, we're going, if you live long enough, you're going to be put in the ground. You're going to decay. You're going to go back to dust. You're going to go back to ashes. But in that place is a seed. And when that trumpet sounds... You hear what I said when that trumpet sounds? And by the time that second one sounds or the last one sounds, I don't know how many it's going to be, but it talks about the last one. I want to tell you, we, if we're in that ground, we're going to come up a brand new body, immortal, incorruptible. Come on. We love that one, but how about loving your brother? Hello? The new birth is the very same thing in our hearts and our lives. 1 Peter 1, 23 said, Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When I got saved, there was a new seed took place in my life, and it changed my life. It didn't change it overnight. I wasn't perfect. I like to tell this, but everybody's different. Sometimes God has to work on people in different ways. My brother-in-law who got me saved with World, I mean, the state fair was there, and we went down to the state fair, and I never did like to go in where they done all their dancing and stuff. I didn't. I'd rather be riding a ride or something. But we all went in there. These half-naked women come out. Now you don't have to go to the state fair. You better watch how you dress. I'm just telling you. This might be my last sermon here, but I'm telling you, the Bible tells us how to dress, not drawing attention to one's body. Why? Because the seed in that old man, that old guy, makes him lust. Hello? Hello? While everybody was clapping hands, including my brother-in-law, I sat there with my head hung down saying, God, if you'll let me get out of here, I'll never get back in here again. And I kept that promise. You listen to me. The Word of God is true, and it's powerful, and it's everlasting. And we have to live the life that God tells us in this Bible. You say, well, everybody makes mistakes. right. That's right. That's why come the word says repent. <laughs> you can go back to him and ask him to forgive you. 
Don't go back out the next day and do the same thing. Rementance don't mean saying I'm sorry. Repentance means turning around, going in a different direction. John tells us in 1 John 3, 8 and 9, he that, cometh, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for, the, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Sinner can't help it. You and I can't. We can help it. You ever get that little bad feeling like you need to move on or shut up or whatever? That's the Holy Spirit. This reminds us. It's only right that Jesus should use the seed to represent his word. The word of God is life. For the word of God is Christ and Christ alone. Think about it. Would there be anything if it wasn't for the word of God? Let there be light and there was light. Our salvation comes through the word of God. You say, well, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. That's true, but I can't tell you how many sermons I heard before he did. The Holy Spirit does nothing but inspire the Word of God in our lives. It might be a lot of hour before I get through. When he sold, some fell by the wayside. Some fell on rocky areas. Some fell among thorns. But some fell on good ground. Now, let me tell you something. I thought about this. We saw it fell on the wayside. Yes, it did. But the wayside was more or was less than the stony ground. The wayside is where they walked around the garden and it was done got packed and hard. Then you got the rocky area where they didn't get all the rocks out of the garden. Some of us might need to get some rocks out of our garden. That'd be a good sermon, wouldn't it? How many rocks you got in your garden? I tell you, all of us has got a few. Every one of us. And some fell among the thorns. How many of you know that a thorn will grow about five times faster than a tomato plant? <laughs> so who's going to be the winner? And some fell on good ground, and there were more good ground than there were bad. I like that. I like that more people that hear it take it and believe it. See, the ground represents our heart's condition, the condition of our heart 
is set by each individual action. Now, let me read to you his interpretation to it. And these are they by the wayside where the word was sown, but when they had heard, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. See, he gives us a natural thing to compare to the spiritual. I, I've, I've seen people so rejected the Spirit of God, I've seen them get up and walk out of church when the word had been preaching. They just they ain't going to have it. Now, I don't care what the first Baptist or the first Methodist or the first Assemblies of God tells you. I don't care what anybody tells you. It's wrong to drink. And you're hitting, it's getting that way. You hear it from every direction. Oh, just one little sip. Don't buy you. But when you get to that tantrum, I'm telling you, it's going to be tough, huh? And when you find out you're driving on the wrong side of the road and you kill somebody, you say, you're preaching against drinking. I sure am. And there's people that drank and got delivered from it and thank God for it, and they could tell you more about it than me. Because I didn't drink. I took a sip of beer, and it's like drinking hogwash to me. I guess my mom and daddy prayed that way, or at least my mother did. It's too cheap to buy cigarettes. I did have an opportunity to sell them, steal them when I worked with Kroger's, but I still didn't smoke them. You mean you've done things like i done whatever the devil wanted me to do and we ought to do now since we're saved everything that God wants us to do. These are they that by the wayside where the word is sown, but when, the, when they heard it, Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Better turn page. I didn't preach that one time. Doug, Doug, you ever get ahead of yourself? <laughs> I worked for a man one time who had been hurt by other men. He worked for. He worked for. And he he had, he had it was wrongly done. That's the established that he was wrongly done. He not only became bitter at those men, he became bitter and hard about everything. And if you think you can just be bitter about one little thing, but I'll tell you, it's like a cancer in your soul that spreads. I gave him the word. That's the only thing that'll help anybody, but they have to accept it. But he rejected it because Satan took it out of his heart. All he could remember was what somebody done to him. Is there something in the Bible about when people do you wrong, something we're supposed to do? Can somebody tell me what it is? I can't hear you. You might speak loud. Huh? Oh, do good. 
What happens when you do good to people that's done you wrong? I tell you what it does. Puts a flame in their head, in their hair. Come on. Bothers them. I done him that way. I done her that way. Now, she's been good to me. Be very, very few times that they won't come and apologize to you. Of course, there's some people that ain't happy unless they're mad. Hello? I'm telling you, this word is powerful. We've got to live it. We've got to do our best. You can't live it unless you study it, unless you read it and you pray while you're doing it. I've been in this thing a long time, and I wondered what something was one day. I was back in a class, Wednesday night class. It's over in Revelation during the Battle of Armageddon. It said a sword. I went out of his mouth and smote the nations. You know, I kept thinking in the natural. I said to Dr. K, Dr. K, I don't even know. What is that sword? And when he said it, I knew it was right. It was his word that came out of his mouth. What he speaks always come to pass. We think that God the Father created this earth, but that's not what the Scripture teaches. It teaches us that Jesus, the Word, spoke everything into existence. Everything. And it was rightful that He should be the one that gives us the Word. Of course, the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost completely, totally agrees. They are as one. This word, Jesus, died for it. And we think we're going to stand in judgment one day and laugh it off? Man, if I could just get turned loose like I feel, it might be two hours. It's time we get down to living what this Bible says to the very smallest words. Next time you start to talk about somebody and run somebody down, Find me that chapter and that verse because I'd like to read it. Because when I do it, then I'll read it and I'll know it'd be all right to do it. But it's not. Pray for those who despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted is what he's saying. They think they're going to get away with that. They're wrong. That's a lot of Christians' answer to it. I knew this wasn't going to be no shouting message. But next time, if you live it, next time you shout it, you'll feel better. I ain't got much more, about 10 pages. Our word is a healer. He sent his word and he healed them every one. 
you don't, if, I mean, it's just so many good things in here about the Word of God. If we just get down to the facts of it and, and read it and understand, you know. Do you know you have that same ability of sending the Word, not your Word, but the Word of God and God will heal them? How do I know that? That's why he puts preachers up. That's why he puts teachers out to hear the word. What did they do on the Sabbath day? They sat in a nice pew, good and soft, and Jesus talked to them. No, they stood up for three or four hours, and when they used to sing, they had to have both hands up to sing. Ain't you glad you're in the New Testament? <laughs> I am. I'm glad I'm in the New Testament. You've got power through the Word. You speak the Word, God will honor it. Mark 4, 16 and 17 says, And these are likewise which were sown on stony ground, who when they had heard the Word immediately received it with gladness. You ain't guilty of that today. I have no and and have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time after when the when afflictions and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. That's what you call emotional hearers. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. I know what I can preach, have all of you just jumping in your pews right now. When you got outside, you'd be talking about your brother before you got in the car. Come on. Stay with me. I'm preaching what God laid on my heart. We want revival. It ain't going to be on our terms. It's going to be on his terms. And you need to understand that today. Emotional hearers. They get emotional when they hear certain words, but they don't when they hear all the words. They have shallow hearts. They're half-willed, half-determined, half-hearted Christians, and there's plenty of them in this world today. Might be some sitting on the pew here. I don't know. Or maybe this is a preventative message. You recognize what this is, a preventative message? Next is a divided heart. These that were sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word out, and it become unfruitful. I'm going to tell you something. Before you can be a fruitful Christian, you're going to have to get the thorns out of your life. You're going to have to clean up. You can't come to church and shout and feel good and go home and say, I'm blessed, and get on the cell phone and start talking about who did what in church. I 
tell you what, I believe this with all of my heart. If we would live the Word of God and do what the Word of God tells us, there wouldn't be an empty seat in this church. I looked the other day, from about 2007, and went through the book, and there's over 100 people that has left this church. Some moved away. Some got mad because they couldn't do this. Or they got mad at somebody else. Or somebody offended them. You go out there in that stinking world where they're offending you all day long and doing you wrong and taking advantage of you in every possible way they come, and then somebody in church, I offended you. See, I know I ain't got long, much longer in my life to preach, so I'm going to preach it. The best place you'll find to be is in the house of God with Christians. And no, they're not perfect, and neither are you. And we need to understand that. Luke 21, 33 through 36, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves that any time your hearts be overcharged with sophithing, drunkenness, the cares of this life, so that day come upon you unaware. For a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. It's here. It's at the door. Some of you haven't been in it 10 years, you don't understand. I got saved in 1960. I got to watching things. I said, we'll never have a 2000. We're at 2018. So how far do you think we're into it? Come on. I can sit here and name you things that, that when I was growing up, people would not, sinners would not even accept it. And today the church accepts some things. No wonder Paul said there'll be a falling away. Just don't let it be you. I can't help the church down the street. I don't preach down there. But I love you and I'm going to preach you the truth and I'm going to tell you that you've got to live for God and you've got to obey his word. Yes, there'll be times when you'll mess up, but I'll guarantee the Holy Spirit will knock on your door and tell you when you did and all you've got to do is change. Some of you are mad right now. I don't care. You better learn something about me. I don't care if you get mad at me. You know why? Keep you from getting mad at somebody else that might care. I don't care. I really don't. I'm not just saying that. I don't care if you get mad at me. That that helped me out. That helped me out on my rewards. <laughs> Hello. Jesus tells us we can't serve two masters. 
Next is the good ground, and that means I'm getting close. The good ground, the receptive here, the fruitful heart. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, they receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, and some hundredfold. You know what you have to do to have a good heart? You have to prepare the ground. You got to plow it up sometimes. I'm helping you today a little bit. But you got to plow up the ground some in your life. You got to remove the rocks out of your life. Those things that hinder. Those things that keep you from receiving from God. Like God wants you to have. Good ground is prepared ground. I'm going to tell you something else. It's not ground that just looks good. Good is good. It's good ground because it's been prepared. It's ground that has been plowed, fertilized, and watered. It's ground when the weeds appear, they're removed by prayer and by fasting. ground that you do not have to sow sparingly. It's ground that will bring forth fruit. Two pages. God requires fruit in our lives. We read it many times. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words. Now, don't you take this offensive. He didn't say my spirit. He said, my words. You don't have to have the baptism. You can get the baptism of the Holy Spirit without being perfect, okay? It's, it's there to help us and remind us of the word and teach us the word. But let me tell you something. When you get a blessing from God or you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you haven't arrived. That's what's happened to too many people. They think they have arrived. The Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us to learn what the Word of God and be subject to it. And He'll prick our hearts when we're not, and I thank God for it. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. What's fruit? Is it visiting the hospital? Yeah. I would think fruit would be winning souls to Jesus Christ. I like what a preacher said one time in 1964. He said, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever won a soul to Jesus Christ? He said, don't raise your hand. Then I'm going to ask you another question. How long has it been since you tried What does Jesus find when he comes to our field? When he comes to our tree, what does he find? Does he find fruit there? He went up to a fig tree one time and he was very hungry. God is very hungry for his church to grow 
and win souls. He said he was hungry as a fig tree. He went up there to part of things to get him fruit, and it was none. How disappointing it was to him when he parts the leaves of our life and he don't see any fruit there. Let me tell you, the last person that I know that I'd want to hurt would be Jesus Christ. I've hurt him, and you have too, but I don't want to hurt him. When he parts those leaves and he finds no fruit, he's very disappointed. There comes a time in our lives when he's going to say, you'll never bear any more fruit. It's over with. And you'll come back by a little later and to be dead. I'm not talking about life. I'm talking about your spiritual life. Last page. I didn't make a hire, Doug. Matthew 7, 19. Every tree that bringeth forth good fruit, excuse me, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is shewn down and cast into the fire. Now let me say this and I am closing. The only, only from good ground will the fruit of the Spirit be produced. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is, somebody tell me, what's what first? Love. I have people tell me, let's see it, then all this other comes from. Well, they might be right, but that ain't the way they wrote it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, putting up with that bossy wife or that bossy husband or something, you know. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. There ain't no law against it. Stand with me. Some of you are sorry I pulled that book out and had that same sermon. <laughs> but if you take it, and I like what one preacher said. He said, my thumb is closer to me than my finger is to you. There's not a person in this building today that can't improve on living the Word of God. It's not what I think about it. It's not what anybody else thinks. It's what Jesus thinks about it. 